This first guest of mine, Samia Petalino, is an entrepreneur and a businesswoman and someone who literally walks the walk. But more than that, she's someone, the first minute I met her, I could tell this is someone who literally wants to make people's lives better. She wants to show people the gap between where they're at and where they want to be, specifically with money. Uh, she had a degree in finance and got her Series 7 license, which is like passing the bar early in her career, and moved her family out to Redding, California on the quest of her faith and a place to raise her family uh, with more like-minded people. Uh, this gal is a blessing to the community that I live in, and this episode is going to be a blessing to you. You know, faith and finances are not supposed to be separate. And often people of faith struggle with money, and the people that don't have faith, you know, a lot of times they're not attracted to some of the principles that are game changers when you actually understand them. So please make sure to like, subscribe, and download this episode. That's going to continue to help me get more people to listen to this podcast and get amazing guests like Samia. Well, thanks for coming. Happy to be here. Appreciate you bringing a book for me. You're welcome. Um, Samia Petalino. That's got to be Italian. My husband is Italian. Okay. My wife's Italian. Best food ever. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We do spaghetti for Christmas every year. And we it's, do spaghetti like once a week. She would <laughs> She would do that if she could, but I, I can't eat spaghetti that much. Well, I have a really good meatball recipe for you. You should compare it to hers. It's like a family recipe. She'll yeah, She has one too. Like her grandma swam here. Like a it's amazing competition dinner situation. It would be incredible. Yeah. It's the best spaghetti I've ever had. I mean, it's, it's really, I bet you, I bet you it was very similar. Probably. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, well, so I wanted to have you on the podcast because <clears throat> I think I, I started seeing some of your stuff when I don't know whose podcast you did, but I, I wasn't familiar with you. Um, and then we talked on the phone a few times yeah. and I heard some of your, a little bit of your story. So, you know, this podcast generally is 25 to 45 year old middle to upper middle class um and a lot of people are okay. either trying to figure out how to get out of the day-to-day -day paycheck to paycheck or they bought a house they may have some rentals and yeah. they're just they're seeing what's going on in the world and they're trying to figure out like how do i know what the next move is because everyone has an opinion out there and there's a lot of people giving bad information so mm -hmm. that's who's listening and I would love to hear a little bit about your story. For one, I haven't heard it myself, but just for everybody else, yeah. kind of how you ended up in Reading and how you ended up writing a book about money, <laughs> which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah, sure thing. Yeah. So I actually grew up in a family in finance. So a lot of times people, you know, they kind of think of like inheritance or generational wealth mm -hmm. as money only. But I kind of come from a culture where a generational inheritance is also knowledge passed yeah. down from generation to generation. So you see a lot of times maybe like your kids might get into the mortgage industry because you're paving the way and plowing the concrete for them. So that so, hopefully they don't get into the mortgage industry, <laughs> but they probably, yeah. hopefully they expand your empire. <laughs> Christopher. Uh, and so you see that a lot of times, you yeah. know, families, especially and really like any business, but, like I grew up with, um, 
I grew up in South Florida. Mm-hmm. Miami? Um, Palm Beach County, the Palm okay. Beach area. Cool. We're like about an hour from Miami. And so the beaches, palm mm-hmm. trees, tropical. Love that area. It was it's great. I, we go back every year to visit our yeah. families. But a lot of fam a lot of uh families there, it was like uh, the businesses were generational. And so I, I kind of grew up in that same idea. So uh, my dad was has been in finance since like 1986. He's a, a wealth manager. Okay. And, uh, you know, just as a really young girl, money was spoken about in my house all the time. Giving, saving, spending, mm-hmm. investing. It was just sort of, um, there was no shame around it. It was just like every day, no big deal. And so I actually didn't know any different. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until later that I realized like, oh, this isn't normal. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Not everybody has just su- such uh, transparent conversations about this subject. Yeah. And so naturally, when I graduated college, I ended up getting into finance. Cool. And so I did some commercial lending. I was in banking for a while. And I also got my Series 7 and was a financial oh, advisor wow. Wow. for a long time. So I did that for a while. And when I uh, was a financial advisor, I was on a team. And we managed like a few hundred million. It was mostly like high net worth families. Okay. And so you really just learn what the wealthy do. Yeah, true. Because that alone is generational wealth. So a lot of clients are like the grandparents and then their kids mm-hmm. in their 40s and then their kids in their 30s. So you have like tri-generational wealth that yep. you're managing. And so I kind of had just a front page um, experience of of what some of the wealthiest families are doing. And so that was super fun. Yeah. And um. I ended up leaving that industry and a friend of mine, we opened up a clothing store Oh, in Palm, in the Palm Beach area. Okay. So I went from finance to fashion, which, you know, basically I was dealing with high net worth people still. I was just helping them spend their money instead mm-hmm. of save it. <laughs> it was way was more that fun. Kind of a, yeah. It was way more fun because yeah. I was like, you know, playing dress up every day and able to go on buying trips. We went to Italy and we would import. So I learned how to import goods, wow. which was super cool. And most of it is done in New York. Most of the buying is done in New York. And so- So this wasn't like tie-dye shirts, it sounds no, like. No, this was like, <laughs> it was great. It's still there. I ran it for six years and sold it. It's wow. It made it through COVID. Wow. Which makes me so proud. Because I was should like, be. I helped build the foundation. But Retail yeah. Retail tough. Totally. Retail's hard. Retail's like restaurant. Yeah. I don't yeah. recommend it. <laughs> but um, it was a lot of fun. So I mean- I don't know. It's basically maybe around 20 years of just small business owning, finance, managing that, just that whole realm. And so really I had like total immersion. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're a financial advisor, it's like you're breathing and sleeping and it's every day. And so it it really is uh, one of those things where you're getting like completely immersed in that area. And Mm -hmm. so- uh, in 2020, my family and I, we moved out to Reading. We just really felt like God called us out here. And we ended up kind of liquidating our lives. <laughs> wow. Selling off the businesses that we had, the home that we had, all the things. And um, we got out here in March, actually, like right before the whole country shut down, which was lovely timing. However, wow. We uh, made some risks, you know, and we bought up some vacant vacant lots around around Reading. And uh, some of the people listening may know this, but you know, some fires have like swept through Northern California mm-hmm. in the past, basically on and off in the past decade. And so, what ends up happening is, um, 
there's fire lots left in neighborhoods. There's literally homes standing to the right and left, and then there'll just be like an empty lot. Yep. And um, in some areas, it's a really good investment because most cities charge you building fees. It's called the impact fee mm-hmm. to build, which I'm sure you're- They're expensive. It's a lot. It's like 25 grand, 30 grand, depending yeah. on how big your house is. It really can add up. So people buy these lots all excited that they're going to you know, build their dream home. And the city's like, that'll be 30 grand. Yep. Before you, you know, do bef- anything. Before you do anything. Yep. But the benefit of, you know, a fire lot is that those those uh, fees are generally waived mm-hmm. because the house that was originally built paid them. Yep. And the city can't charge you twice. Right. So we were able to find some of those and we found a really great general contractor and we just started developing houses. And so it's been a really fun journey. I mean, every, anything in real estate, it's... It's like, uh, it can be painful, but it also can Especially be- Especially in California. Yeah, yeah, totally. But it also can be really rewarding. Yeah. So it's fun. It's fun to know, like, I can come back here in 40 years and those houses that my husband and I designed are still are still there. Yeah. It's kind of cool. It is cool. And to like show my kids. And you improved an area that needed it. Um, I had a lot of clients, well, I would say I had three or four that bought fire lots and um, yeah, the impact fees- are one thing, but then you also bypass a lot of the things that the city could, could do. And oftentimes do when you're trying to get permitting, like that costs more money. So, I mean, there's, there's a ton of savings and time saving buying those lots and good for you. I mean, there's a lot of people that just didn't have the vision to do that here. Yeah. And so I would imagine you coming in from outside of the area with the experience you had, like you were able to have a fresh perspective and see yeah. that opportunity a little clearer. Yeah. And just to encourage the people listening, uh, we had never developed homes before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yes, I had a finance background and like, yes, I can make an Excel spreadsheet and do a budget of yep. like, you know, what it's going to, what we hope it's going to cost to right. build and what we hope it's going to be worth when it sells. Um, and then you just pray over that. Yeah. <laughs> you say Seriously. a prayer and hope it works out. Yeah. Um, so all we had really done in Florida was like flip a few houses. Mm-hmm. And uh, my husband had a business and I ran a business. We just knew how to, you know, operate and manage profitable businesses. Mm-hmm. But I think if you take a skill set from being an entrepreneur in any field, you can apply that to real estate. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Real estate isn't that different. I mean, I think that the unique thing about real estate is for the average person to have a great career, they kind of have to stick and stay in a field and pay their dues for 20 years, you know, and because you see it all the time, people that try to become entrepreneurs and they never really do anything great. They have a bunch of different things going. And so a lot of times people that venture out, they've had to stay in something Real estate something you can start pretty early in your life yeah. to create passive income. And that's because of leverage and mortgage. Mm-hmm. And you can, and so it, it's for someone that has a finance background, a business background, I mean, it's, it's not that hard to, to go into real estate because it's about numbers. Yeah. Most of the time it's kind of like the greater the risk, the greater the reward. Yeah. But you still want to have calculated risk. Oh, yeah. You know, just like, throw caution to the wind. Yeah. But there is a lot of opportunity in Northern California and there's still fire lots out there. Some of them, there's some good ones. Some of them have pools, which is crazy. There's some really nice ones that have pools. 
the pools are like so much money now if you want to put mm-hmm. a pool in. 100 grand, 150 grand. There were 40 grand, grand, I mean, when? five years ago. How did they get up to 100? It's the inflation and building costs. And and then Crazy. a lot of the suppliers have just tried to keep the costs high. Haven't come down yet. I think it'll come down this year. But going back to Reading, I want to talk to you about Reading. So I, I want to hear a little bit about the other reasons you came to Reading and the people, because I think Reading is a very special place. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I was going to tell you, did you see that article that came out yesterday about 7%, Reading? 7%. Yeah. Everything's going to go up by 7%. Reading was number one from the core logic top cities in America to appreciate in 2024. I mean, regardless of how real that number is, to, yeah. for Reading out of all cities in California to pop up is number one. And CoreLogic's a, have you heard of CoreLogic before? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's well known. They've right. been around for 30 like years. An analytical. Yeah. I mean, every every financial institution uses CoreLogic for a lot of the data they use. Mm-hmm. I don't think people realize how big of a deal that was. That was very interesting to me. It's going to be great because it's yeah. really going to help people's home prices mm-hmm. increase. And then maybe they'll be willing to sell as interest rates decrease because yep. they'll walk away from their cushy interest rate. And to go into another home. Totally. So it'll be good for the economy. It's great for the economy. It also give confidence to people. There's a lot of people who are living in California that they love it here, but they're at their limit with some of the things that we have to deal with here. Right. And there's a lot there. I talk to those people a lot in Sacramento, the Bay Area, LA, and we've had a lot of people moving here from Southern California, but I think that we're going to see more of that as time goes on, just because there's a lot of people, they want to stay in California, but they don't want to live in San Francisco. Right. The Bay area. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so how, what are, what are some of the other reasons you guys came to Cal to Reading? I mean, it's just kind of a salt of the earth yeah. type of town. It's it like big, but it's also small uh-huh. where you run into your friends at the coffee shop and the grocery store and, yep. You know, where I came from was like a few million people in the county that I grew up in. And so this is just more of a hometown feel. It's like a fun place to raise your kids. Yeah. Good value system. It really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so you've been here since 2020. Yeah. And I already know that you and I have like three or four mutual friends. I tell people that that they're moving here all the time. I'm like, you know, this is a place where you can be pretty dang connected with some incredible people in a short amount of time. Yeah. It's. Definitely one degree of separation. Yeah. Pretty much anyone that you want to meet. Yeah. <laughs> and there's some amazing people here. There is. I mean, there's one of them. Like a translator. <laughs> it's a real thing. Yeah. So yeah, I ended up writing this book because- um, The Money Handbook. The Money Handbook. I love the title. Very simple. I love simple. Mm-hmm. It really is a handbook. Yeah. I love so that. So I have chapters on investing. Tactics. Estate planning, yeah. budgeting- um, you know, I grew up with a pretty strong faith. And so I mm-hmm. share my faith in there as well. Cause that's a lot of, um, has a lot to do with decisions that I make and how I move forward with what I do with my investments. How, also, how so? You, give me an example of how faith has influenced like what you believe about money. So an example would be that you know, my faith in God and, and my faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm in the covenant mm-hmm. through Abraham. And when you are a part of a covenant, it's like a contract. And 
there's promises spoken of in the Bible that we have access to. Mm-hmm. And they cover not only your finances, but your health and your relationships mm-hmm. and all that pertains to your household. And uh, one of the things that it speaks of is uh, prosperity and the things that you put your hands to. Mm-hmm. But it's not just for yourself. I think a lot of people think of uh, prosperity and money and they're like, oh, that I don't want to be greedy. Mm-hmm. They see people with a lot of wealth and they see how it corrupts them because- yep. Because it does. It does. It does. Yeah. It, it's a real thing. Whatever's in you is going to come out, good mm-hmm. or bad. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So the really great thing about uh, staying grounded in in the faith is that money isn't your source or your God. Mm-hmm. It's actually used more as like a tool. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that it allows you to do is operate from a place of generosity. Mm-hmm. And Another thing it allows you to do is have influence Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people can see some of the evil going on in our country or in the world and, and it is a horrible, but there also is a lot of good. Oh yeah. And sometimes it takes money to get into those rooms at those tables to help decisions and legislation and things to help things happen that change it for the good. And in many cases, it's finances that get you there. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the ways that my faith has really impacted how I view finances is because I feel that it's kind of like, it's more than just chasing the money because mm-hmm. that's not the purpose. Nope. Because the more you chase it, the further away it gets from you. Yeah. It's better for, for it to come from behind. Yep. You know? Yeah. It's better to focus and chase God and yep. his ways and everything else comes. Yeah, that's that's so good. And I think that even non-Christians can understand that principle. Yeah. You know, cuz it's a these biblical principles whether someone has faith in Jesus like you and I or not, these are principles that are universal to the way the construct of the world works, whether people like it or not. Like yeah. you get if you give, you receive when you're generous, right? And when you hold on to things, you you Yeah, you, it's you sowing lose, and reaping. You lose what you have. Exactly. And so um I love that because you you know, you grew up and you were really fortunate that you had such an incredible um upbringing Definitely. around money. But you know that you're you know, you know that's not true for most people. Like that's why I wrote a book. Exactly. <laughs> A, like, ha- a handbook. You guys need help. Because you, reco- help you. Yeah, you recognize like 90% of probably the people that, that you ran around, like the, the, the smallest thing that you probably learned when you were eight was something they didn't even know. Right. And, and then we, and then we'll have all these weird belief systems, especially in the church. Well, not just in the church, but where people think money's evil or they think it's like the answer to happiness. Yeah. And like you said, it's just a tool mm-hmm. and it's not something to ignore. We have to. We have to take care of it. And I think now people are realizing that more than ever with the inflation problems we've had. And in California, I mean, it's a beast right now. PG&E is going up 22% this year. Um, yeah, inflation's still high. We, you know, pe- people are just really trying to figure out how can you live on 60 grand a year? It wasn't that long ago that you could buy a house in Reading if you made 60,000 a year and you could have a decent life here. Seriously, it was not long ago at all. Wow. And nowadays it's just it's just different. So people are I think people are starting to wake up to 
I work too hard to not figure out how to make sure I make my money grow and how to figure out how to be an accountant to my finances. And it's just something that people, they just don't learn. I mean, it's not something taught in schools, as you know. So what are some of the, the tactics that you would tell someone early on? They don't have a clue. Like, where does this book start? So the, the most common ways to build wealth, like the easiest entry point, I mean, there's many ways to build wealth, right? But the two easiest, most common is the stock market and real estate. Yep. 99% of people build wealth that way. Yep. Yes, you can start a business, build a business, sell your business and make money. Yes, you can come up with an idea. Private equity. Yes. There's other ways. Cryptocurrency. Right. You can come up with an idea, bring a product to market, sell it on the shelves of Target and make money. I mean, there's plenty of ways to make money. But but if you're at a nine to five Mm -hmm. and you have a family and you're at capacity, right? Yep. The the two easiest ways for that person listening is the stock market and real estate. And when I say the stock market, the, the benefits of that is your money's liquid. Yep. So you can stock pick if you want Apple, Google, Tesla, you know, magnificent seven. Buy yeah. what you consume. Yeah. I always tell people start with what you're consuming and buy into those stocks. You might as well take part in the profits. Yeah. <laughs> since you're spending money. Yeah. Um, or you could easily just get an ETF mm-hmm. that's like a basket of like a hundred stocks and diversify. And that's simple. And that's something that you could do where you buy in every month, which is called dollar cost averaging. Mm-hmm. And it, you just capture different prices of that particular stock or that ETF yep. each month. And it just gives you a better long-term profit. Mm-hmm. So that's one area. And that's long-term. I know a lot of people want to like win the lottery, but the stock market is three, five, seven, ten 10 years. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. if you would have bought Apple like six or seven years ago, you would like 10X. Yep. Your pro- it's just one of those things where you just like, you set it and forget it. You pay it like a bill. Yep. So that's one area. And the nice thing about that is it's liquid. If you're like, oh, this really great deal comes along and I want to buy a fourplex, you can liquidate your stock and buy the fourplex, right? Yeah, depending so, on how much you have, you can borrow against your stock. Right. It's called asset-based lending. That's yeah. exactly right. So yeah. if you have a portfolio, you can actually borrow against it and um, it doesn't count against your credit and those funds are accessible in like 48 hours. So a lot of Which people- Which means you can write cash offers. Right. Which is obviously powerful sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when you're hearing about these people, oh, they paid cash for their house. I'm like, right. They got a line of credit on their stock yeah. account, which is great. It is. It's you smart. Know, which is smart. Yeah. So that's one avenue. The second avenue, obviously, you're a mortgage guy, mm-hmm. is real estate. And um, the pros to that are it- appreciates. Mm-hmm. So if you had $25,000 and you put it in the stock market, it's it grows, but it's slow. If you had $25,000 and you use it as a down payment mm-hmm. on a property, that will most likely increase quicker mm-hmm. in the equity. You have like, there's more capital to it. You know, yeah, because you're getting a return on the entire asset with mm-hmm. the you same twenty right. thousand. It would be like, you know, putting money down on like a half a million dollar house or something, mm-hmm. and then that could go up to seven hundred. Yep. So you have like two hundred thousand dollars in equity, and that can happen quicker than you putting twenty five grand in the stock market and making two hundred thousand. Yep. You follow me? But I'm all about diversification. Me too. 
So um, even if all you do is like a Roth IRA or something retirement related in the stock mm -hmm. market, and then use the rest of the money for real estate, it it's beneficial. And there's a lot of creative ways, like people that are like, oh, I would love to get into real estate, but I have no money, I have no capital. Um, I always encourage them to like get a side hustle for six months. Yeah. I mean, where there's a will, there's a way. And study and read and watch yeah. YouTube videos and become obsessed. And e-courses and all the things. Stay curious, you mm -hmm. know. And if you could do it, get you know get enough money together mm -hmm. for a down payment and just start start renting out a room in your house start making pathways for yourself to create income mm -hmm. yeah so income is important because obviously Cash right? flow. yeah because you can't really make investments right if you don't have money and also managing your money i'm sure that's a part of this here yeah and i think sometimes people um one of the chapters is on budgeting uh-huh and I think the issue with some people with uh, that are that feel like they just can't like they're paycheck to paycheck they just they can't get ahead they want to mm -hmm. but they don't know how and so they're like okay I'm gonna like cut my Netflix subscription I'm gonna cancel my gym membership <laughs> and all those things are great yep but it's not gonna help you build wealth. Mm -mm. Sometimes the issue is you're under earning. Yep. It's not your expenses. Yep. It's that you're just simply not making enough money. Mm -hmm. And so I teach locally at a school here. And one of the things that I tell my students is it's worth looking into programs like one-year programs and two-year programs where you come out and you're making six figures. And there's actually a lot of them. There is. There's tech programs where you can code. There's programs where you like learn how to be a pilot. Mm -hmm. Um, dental hygienist, like just random stuff. There's so many. Where it's like a two-year yep. program and you literally leave making 100, 120 or more. Yep. And so I always say to them, it's okay to take on short-term debt yeah. if it provides you a six-figure income for like the next 50 years. Like who yeah. cares? You'll pay it off. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. better than going to a four-year college, getting a communications degree, having $80,000 worth of debt. And like, I don't know what you do with a communications degree. Right. Or like an anthropology yeah. degree, or I mean, I guess you could go be a professor or something. I'm sure there's but something out there, but you yeah. want to spend money on degrees and on trade programs yeah. that equal six figures. Yep, like that's the goal, and there is a benefit to school, but it isn't for everyone. No, no, it's not. I had a friend who is from Reading who has a really big company international now, and he just he just did a video, and he was. He just basically said, the only thing that I use from my um, my degree in business is accounting. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, got I literally forgot everything else. That's really funny. I got a business yeah. degree too. I mean, I think college is one of those places where you just like learn how to be responsible. <laughs> yeah. You, and you social, make connections. You learn how, yeah, you learn how to socialize. And I, I agree. I didn't go to college, <laughs> so I don't know. But I have a lot of friends who did who tell me I didn't miss anything. But yeah, um, but yeah, it has its place. I love what you said. So I've been talking to a lot of people about this because I see it. This is not my I, – I see it all the time. Don't you think it's one of the easiest times in history, despite what the media says, to create, a, create an income and get a job and find a way to be creative and make money? I do, and I think so because of the internet. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's crazy what people are doing right now online. I see, Yeah, I had a guy here not long ago 
his daughter, who's not even out of high school, started making, um, I don't know, some sort of jewelry. Okay. And she started selling it online. She made $200,000 last year. That's amazing. I hear stories like that all the time. I so mean, cool. it, it's really inspiring. I have a friend who rents an office here. He just moved here from Switzerland. He started a business uh, working in a CRM called Go High Level. Have you heard of it before? No. So Go High Level is like this international marketing customer relation manager that's kind of taken the world by storm. It's going to go way past Salesforce. Okay. And peop- it's so easy to use and it's so user-friendly that people are buying what's called an agency and they're getting training and they're just figuring out how to go to a business like uh, a plumber or a financial advisor or a mortgage guy and changing it to use AI to do a lot of the work to help them engage with their clients and to get reviews from their clients and to, you know, just, it has uh, merchant services for it. I mean, it does everything. So cool. And so he, I t- he asked me like two years ago, what should I do? And I said, well, give him a couple ideas. But mostly I said, you should be on the internet. Yeah. And you should think about the problems that businesses are dealing with right now. And a lot of that has to do with technology and AI. And mm-hmm. so he started calling on accounts here in California and Texas while he lived in Switzerland, waiting for his green card, quits his job because he's making enough money, moved here in November and- so I mean, cool. he's he's doing really well. Yeah, I mean, the purpose, a lot of times, it to create income, the purpose is bringing solutions. Yeah. And that equals dollar sign. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, mm-hmm. when interest rates went from 3% to they topped out at 85 in October, I knew this day was coming. I've been doing, I've been a part of mortgage for 22 years. At the beginning of the year, I was like, yeah, this is going to be a 50, 60% drop in uh, sales volume nationwide. Everyone's like, oh, you're crazy. I'm like, no, I'm telling you right now, like prices aren't going to drop like they would in any other market. There's not enough inventory. Right. This People are just going to stall and stop buying. And so I started kind of figuring out like, what are the problems people are dealing with and how do we solve that? Mm -hmm. Because I can't wait on interest rates to go down. Right. And I started getting into the ADU thing for a minute. I'm still doing it, but I just realized I was a little too early. Um, the cost of construction is still pretty high. It's high. Yeah. And there wasn't at the time, there is now, they just came out. But at the time, there one of the other problems, even if the cost was lower, the average buyer, they don't have the cash to build the ADU, even if the, the rules have changed. And mm-hmm. so the financing is always so important, right? Had right. to get more creative. It has. And I think by the end of the year, there will have a lot of traction there. But the other thing, what I was looking at was, uh, and a friend of mine brought this to me, was solar. Yep. And he's like, you know, PG&E and every other energy company nationwide is now raising the cost of energy everywhere. And it's already mandated, as you know, for new construction. To have solar. Yes. Yeah. And the federal government and the state government is trying to make it as easy as possible for everyone else to get it. But it hasn't been great. It's been, the financing has been very expensive. And and so a friend of mine started a company called Soar Energy. He lives in Arizona and they just got funded and they're now nationwide. And what they did, there's a group of us that went to FHA. Are you familiar with who FHA is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And we created a group of 13 of us that are piloting a program that we start in February where we'll now be able to add solar 
uh, backup battery systems and a brand new roof into the the financing of the loan. Amazing. Uh, so with zero out of pocket for the client and it doesn't have to appraise higher. Um, and then they get a 30% rebate up until 2027. And so, yeah, for me, it's like great. if I could go to the average home buyer and say buying in Palisadro, right. where the other problem we have is insurance right now. The you know, the California yeah. Fair Plan, it's insanely expensive if you're not in a city because of the moratorium in California. So it's people are getting hit on all fronts. So if we can bring them a solution, we'll say, well, how about we improve your value? We get you a new roof. We get you a Tesla battery system. Yep. And you have no utility bill like that. That's a solution for someone, you know? Absolutely. So I think, and, and that's not like, cause it's I'm a creative smart. solution. It's a creative solution. Right. And we had to go through a couple things before we got here. And even with this, it was just this week where we, we finally got everything inked and we're, we're live on the 1st of February, but you know, the whole time we're like, I don't know if this is going to work, but I think we've got something here. But I think that's what people have to do. Is when when economies turn and things are hard, you just have to think about what are the problems people have right now and how can I solve it. Mm -hmm. There's usually a business there. Absolutely. So um, true. So stock market. You know, you you told me you. I know you probably think I buy a lot of real estate. I do, but I love the stock market. <laughs> My That's mentors great. are all stock market. Are they? Yeah, they're. I mean, they're. How they're, much older are they than you? Well, my number one guy right now, Rick, he's my business coach. He's uh, 63. Yeah. That generation loves the stock market. When he got, when I met him, he had a cash net worth of 5 million and he has 105 now. So I've been able to see in 13 years, wow. compound interest, like, Amazing. I mean, I'm such, a, and he's so good at it. I mean, he's got a financial planner that helps him. His name's Jeff. He actually lives in Florida. Um, he's like Forbes top 40 guy. Great. Um, and he teaches Jeff and Jeff, like, cause his, his model is so simple. It's like, I'm going to get some of this wrong. Sorry, Rick. But I think it's, um, I want to say it's 60% S and P 30% QQQ and then maybe 20 or 10 or 15% in, uh, the five, you know, or the big yep. seven, mm -hmm. the tech. Yeah. The big seven, yeah. Apple, you know, all of them. So Apple, Google, Yahoo, Microsoft. And they do so good with that model. Yeah. And it's so simple. So Jeff, who's a big financial planner, he's got a bunch of celebrities and stuff. He manages like 4 billion. He had this big complicated model that all of his people tell him to sell the clients. And this one was so good that he started bringing this to all his clients and like, I know it's simple and they loved it. I was like, that is so simple. Because you can understand it. It's, yeah. That's the problem with so many financial planners is sometimes they, they tell you things that's just hard to understand. They have a very hard time taking this complicated thing and articulate it in a way that the average person can understand. I don't I, know if that's. I think it's important to understand what your investments, yeah. where they are and what they're doing. So yeah. they, I call it the sleep well at night factor. Mm -hmm. You know, the swan effect. Yeah, so I do too. That's important. Yeah. And I mean, there's plenty of avenues to create wealth. It's also important to know what your giftings are because mm -hmm. a lot of times your gifts will make a way for you. And so if you're super personable and great with people, maybe you should be in sales. Mm -hmm. And if you're a real introvert and love books and love to study, maybe you should be coding and being engineer. Mm -hmm. You know, there, you don't, I think it's important not to compare so much what other people are doing is but to know what your own strengths are yeah. and to make a path with those strengths. Yeah. 
because not everybody is built to be an entrepreneur. It is a specific type of person mm -hmm. who has thick skin. Yeah. Not everyone is cut out for that. And yep. that's okay. Some people are made to be employees, which is wonderful. Or counselors or teachers yes. or a hundred percent doctors, yep. lawyers, all yep. the things, you know, we have all these different areas of influence that people operate in. And so no matter what they're doing or what their nine to five is or what their business structure is. It's just, it's, it's good to know what your strengths are and to set goals with them. Yep. And to, and to go from there. Cause you gotta, I think it's important. They say like, like if you write your goal down, there's like a 70% chance, greater chance of it coming to pass. Just by putting it on paper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you, if you put steps to it, it's better. And then if you invite people to hold you accountable, it's there you go. Better. The accountability yeah. is huge. Yeah. The accountability was always a missing link for me. When did you know that you were going to be an entrepreneur? You grew up in the environment, but like was, you know, you started a retail store. When did you f know that That's that was it. like your gift and, and you decided to go, <laughs> go with it? After I started doing it. Okay. <laughs> That's a great answer. I, no, you're right. Absolutely. Because so many people are waiting to find out what their gift is. Yeah. And I was I think in you corporate America way. for a while. Yeah. I call it the golden handcuffs, corporate America, because uh -huh. you got like your cushy 401k, the health insurance. And I was in banking. So there's like 11 Monday holidays a year, yep. just holiday after holiday, you know, just like all these cushy perks. And so to step away from that, it, it felt like I was walking on a tightrope because it was like there was no safety net. Yeah, you There's a bit of a safety eat net. what you kill. Right. With yeah. corporate. And so it was a huge uh, shift. Yep. And um, yeah, that's how I just did it. That's cool. <laughs> so stock market, dollar cost average, real estate's valuable. Mm -hmm. um, start, you know, I would just say start where you are. There's a lot of people doing really cool things, but if you haven't bought your first house, start there. Yeah. And if you can find someone to mentor you. Yeah. Which or, everyone can now. Because, or get into some type of like coaching exactly. group of yeah. sorts and learn from somebody who's like even just a little bit further ahead yeah. than you are. Yeah. It's worth it because some of these groups cost money, but at the end you actually save money because you don't make mistakes you maybe would have made yeah. from learning from someone who's been there and made those mistakes. So totally. it's worth it to have some type of coaching or mentorship. I, it's, it's been the, the main thing that's helped me just coaching. What are some books you read along the way that you would recommend to people that are thinking about trying to figure out how to invest and grow There's their... this one book called the Midas touch. The what? The Midas touch. I've never even heard of that book. It's really good. It's Midas. It's like everything you touch turns to gold. Oh, wow. Yeah. The Midas touch. M-I-D-A-S. Okay. Um, there's this other really awesome book called the money handbook. And... The money handbook. <laughs> well, the money handbook, of course. There's, yeah. um, Where can people find this, by the way? Amazon. Okay, cool. There's also like a slew. I mean, you have like these big name guys like Grant Cardone. Oh, yeah. They've yeah. all like written and um, they've all written books on yeah. real estate and multifamily yeah. and the Burr method. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's tons of resources yep. out there. On there's a lot of good YouTube channels too. Absolutely. I don't know if you ever watch uh, Ken McElroy. Yes, Ken's I, great. I like him. Out of all the people that kind of talk in that space, he seems very rational. Mm -hmm. He does the rich dad, poor dad deals. I think he speaks at those. Yeah, yeah. Which is also a good book to great book. Yeah, that's a yeah. 
The Millionaire Next Door, I think, is the best yes. book on the power of dollar cost averaging. Yeah. Because it's a an average middle middle class right. guy who just over the long term, you know, mm-hmm. manages his money and does it well. So well, hey, I, I know that this uh this was kind of short notice and I really appreciate you yeah, taking fun. time to come hang out with me. Thanks for having me. That was great information. So um if people want to find you, what's your how do they find you? They can just find me on Instagram. Instagram. Okay. Sammy Apedalina. We'll put your name yeah. on here. So that'd be awesome. Yeah, I give finance tips and I post funny videos and stuff. Love it. Thank you so much. You're welcome.